Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the hurry up and wait edition. This week, we're explaining the waiting game for a U.S. Supreme Court decision on abortion, why Governor Mike DeWine won't be lifting Ohio's gas tax, why long lines at the BMV could soon be a thing of the past, and how Matt Dolan wants to reshape Ohio's GOP. Joining me this week is reporter Jesse Balmert, who has been obsessively hitting refresh on the Supreme Court website all week. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you. It's amazing how much like nervous energy you get just refreshing a website, which I feel like has been my job for the past year. (laughs) And that leads right into our first topic, which is the anticipated abortion decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. For those who don't know, the Supreme Court decisions come out on specific days at specific times. So this week, it's Tuesday, Thursday, Friday from 10 a.m. till 11 a.m. And reporters all across the country have been anxiously hitting that refresh button to see whether the decision to overturn federal protections for abortions is actually going to happen. The leaked decision from a couple of weeks ago points to probably, but there are technically three ways this Schrodinger's cat can go. So one, and probably the least likely, is they uphold Roe and Casey and rule against Mississippi's ban on most abortions after 15 weeks. Second is the middle ground, where they uphold the ban, but they don't reverse Roe. This is where Chief Justice John Roberts is rumored to be. And the third is a full reversal of federal abortion protections, which would basically give full control to the states. Yes. And I think that's the scenario most people are preparing for here in Ohio. And if if that is the direction that the U.S. Supreme Court decides to go, it could get very interesting in Ohio. Specifically, the Ohio Attorney General and Governor um, Mike DeWine have said that they would go and try to lift the stay on Ohio's heartbeat bill, which would ban abortion as soon as six weeks into pregnancy. And so Ohio... As soon as the fetal heartbeat's detected, correct? Mm-hmm. About about yeah. that many weeks. Yeah. yeah. So right now the law is abortion is permitted up until 20 weeks into pregnancy, and um, that would dramatically change it down to six weeks. Ohio doesn't have what's kind of called this trigger ban or trigger right. law. So we wouldn't automatically ban all abortions in the state, but that is the case with some of the surrounding states. I think Ohio lawmakers are... Ohio's uh, Republican lawmakers are committed to eliminating abortion or at least like making it very inaccessible in the state of Ohio. And that's something that they could tackle when they return later this year. Yeah. And keep in mind that when they tackle it later this year, um, it will probably be 90 days after that until it goes into effect. So to pass a law and have it become law immediately, you need a certain number of votes. And even though they've got a super majority in both chambers, they don't have enough for that magic immediate passage. And because of all of this, I suspect there's going to be a lot of confusion. I think there's going to be a lot of confusion about whether the Roe v. Wade decision or this Dobbs decision immediately bans abortion in Ohio, which would not be the case. How many weeks you're permitted to have an abortion up to. And so I think we're going to try to just be really providing that information to readers as we know what's happening. Like you said earlier, it's still possible this decision comes out and is a, a ban on abortion after 15 weeks. So we'll really just have to see. Yeah, it's going to be 
I don't want to say a hot mess, but it's going to be very confusing in the days after this decision comes out. You know, there'll be questions about what you can do with medication abortions, whether that can happen through telemedicine with a doctor in another state, whether those medications can be shipped to you through the mail. What happens if you cross to another state? Can you be prosecuted in your home state? There's so many questions, Jesse. It hurts my head. Yeah. And abortion policy in Ohio has really gone in a pretty familiar pattern for years now. Ohio's GOP-controlled legislature has passed bans and restrictions and kind of hurdles for clinics, and the Republican governors have signed them. And then uh, those who support the clinics or the clinics themselves have gone to court and gotten this blocked under the protections of Roe and Casey. And if those protections no longer exist, a lot of these laws that Ohio has on the books could be implemented. So our second topic is the price of a gallon of gas. And unless you bike everywhere, you know that the price has been going up, up, up. Well, this week, President Joe Biden proposed suspending the federal gas tax for three months. Now, this would have to be approved by Congress, but it wouldn't save folks a ton of money. Um, The federal gas tax is about 18 cents per gallon. Now, Ohio's state gas tax, however, is 38.5 cents per gallon. But Governor Mike DeWine doesn't sound like he's going to eliminate it anytime soon. Yeah, so Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has said pretty consistently that he thinks this money collected by the gas tax, money that he actually worked to increase in 2019, is important for roads and infrastructure and potholes and, you know, keeping Ohio's roads safe. And so I think there's a fear that if you even give Ohio a a holiday on this, like wave it for a few months, people are going to get used to that lower rate and it's going to hurt that much more when it goes back into effect. That being said, you know, people are, are hurting and feeling the pain at the pump or, you know, if not the pain, at least the discomfort of looking at how high that price is when you're you're filling up. So uh, there is some desire to give people some relief from that, whether these kind of, you know, cents on the gallon is really what's needed or whether wholesale sale policy changes are needed at more of the federal level to kind of bring those prices down. Obviously, some of this is tied to sanctions from Russia's war on the Ukraine or fighting in the Ukraine. So it's a very complex combination of of issues that lead you to be sad when you look at that number. (laughs) Yeah, I just I've started closing my eyes. Like when I fill up, I'm like, oh, oh, we're over 50 bucks. Okay, closing. But our third topic is everyone's favorite place to spend an afternoon, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Starting next week, Ohio is going to let people renew their driver's licenses and identification cards online. And no one seems to be happier than Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Yeah, I don't know if if John Houston had a personally bad experience with the BMV, <laughs> but he has been really committed to uh, just making this a more efficient process. And I think when people think of inefficiency in state government, sometimes this comes to mind. Maybe it's just a place where you have to go more frequently than other places you interact with state government. But yeah, I think anyone who can avoid the lines of the BMV are probably excited to do so. It's worth noting that every eight years, you're still going to have to go in for your vision test. So this is maybe cutting back about half of the times you go to the BMV. But hey, if you can just do that online, I think that's a easier process for most people. 
Yeah. And a small confession here. I will, this is a controversial hot take. I actually kind of enjoy waiting at the BMV. So look, hear me out. Don't laugh. I have two adorable tiny humans at home and I love them, but sometimes you just want to sit with a cup of coffee and read a book. And well, the BMV, my friend, is that opportunity. Bring a book, bring the beverage of your choice and just sit there without your kids in peace until your little number is called. It ain't that bad. Can I tell you the last time I went to go get the real ID and you needed like way more documents oh, for that? Oh yeah, it's like crazy. And you would think as a responsible journalist who writes about this that I would have brought all of those documents <laughs> and I I did not. So I had to go twice and that was a doubly unenjoyable experience. Get a duology, a two-parter, one book one day, another book the next. No. <laughs> no, reaching into your filing cabinet for that other piece of documentation on those real ID, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. So our fourth and final topic is Matt Dolan. He is an Ohio state senator and he didn't win the GOP primary for U.S. Senate, but he still believes it's time for his party to move past the former president. He started his own political action committee called Ohio Matters PAC, and it, he says it will support issue focused Republican candidates in Ohio. I think this is a really interesting take. The man has a lot of money. For those of you who don't remember, he is a partial owner of the Cleveland Guardians. And he's already put about $95,000 into the pack that he transferred from his Senate campaign. Yeah, I think this will be interesting what Matt Dolan's kind of political future is. He ran in this U.S. Senate race as the, you know, conservative but not Trump candidate and was really kind of trying to figure out if there was a lane for that type of candidate. And, you know, ultimately he lost the race. So maybe that means there isn't a lane for that kind of candidate. But it's interesting that he's still kind of pursuing that going forward, especially when so much of the attention in the Republican Party, not just in Ohio, but in other states that are going through these U.S. Senate races is who is the Trump candidate? And is that the only measure of what a Republican should be going forward? Yeah, I think it will be really interesting. If you look at him, he is a suburban sort of swing district Republican. He's in line, if you know who Stephanie Kunze is, here in the Columbus area. They, I don't know if more moderate is the word, but they're more the traditional Chamber of Commerce, fiscally conservative. You know, Matt Dolan sits on the Senate Finance Committee. He helped write the budget last year. Like, that kind of Republican. And it's, you know, as we see a bluing or a purpling of the suburbs, I think it'll be really interesting to see how involved he gets in, in those districts, sort of like in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what he's going to use this yeah, pack for it's very new. this year. Yeah. I don't know how much he's going to weigh in on the U.S. Senate race, which obviously will end up being uh, J.D. Vance, the Republican, against Tim Ryan, the, the Democrat. So we'll see. Yeah. And one more thing before you go. If you're tired of doom scrolling on social media, allow me to offer you this palate cleanser. So lobbying can be a dirty word in politics, but it's really about people with a point of view trying to persuade the people who make the laws to agree with them. And this week, I had the pleasure of interviewing three young women who recently graduated from Olin and Tangi High School about their lobbying effort to make self-defense class part of the curriculum for high school students. Yeah, I thought this was a really nice story and you did a good job on it just to like butter you up at the end of our podcast. But it's nice to see, you know, quote unquote, real people engage with state government and not that it is an important the lobbyists get involved in this process too, but it's um, exciting to see people see a problem, engage their lawmakers, and try to come up with a solution. Yeah, and the three young women that I interviewed, they they kind of they got the idea. They were in this business program called DECA, and they had to come up with an idea. And the two of them worked at Polaris, 
which is the mall in the Columbus area. And they said that they would get a little squicked out basically walking to their car at night. And I know that feeling is a woman where you think maybe you hear something and suddenly you're like gripping your keys as you walk to your door. And they were like, we don't we don't really know what to do in that situation. And so they put on a self-defense class, a co-ed one for everybody in their high school. And it went over so well that they put on a couple more and then they pitched it to the Olentangy School District and they were like, yeah, we should add that. And then the girl's advisor was like, hey, you should try to make this a statewide requirement. And what I find really cool is I'm just, they emailed every state rep, every state senator. They emailed all 132 of them. Mm -hmm. I was like, that was a lot of work. They were like, yeah, we divided it. And state representative Young was like, hey, I think this is a great idea. And he wrote a bill, which I mean, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, I think it's great because I think state government can feel really inaccessible to the average person. And sometimes these bills are, you know, going to move one way or the other. But it is worth reaching out to your representative, especially on ideas like this, which, you know, might have some bipartisan support. Yeah, I always say like your state lawmakers are so much more accessible than your federal lawmakers. Like if you have an idea, you should absolutely pitch it. Mm -hmm. And in theory, they work for you. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Fremont News Messenger. That's thenews-messenger.com. 